I checked my PDGA rating for the first time in one and a half years, over 18 months since I last played in a tournament and I had a rated round. And really that year, 2021, okay, was the last time I had an active membership. And in that time, since that tournament in April, 2021, I just played a tournament last weekend and I went up 16 points after one tournament. We're gonna get into how I did that in this episode, so let's jump right in. Hey everybody, what is up? It's Antonio, welcome to episode 37 of Teach Play Disc Golf. Guys, I am so excited to be here and I hope you are too. I am just, I have so many fun things to talk about and uh, I'm just really, really excited to recap a couple things. So uh, the outline for this show is gonna be a little flip-flop, okay? And you'll understand why here and uh, as we get going, but we're going to start with a tournament recap. We're gonna talk about the tournament that I had just played in, all right? Then we're going to discuss a disc golf skill uh, that I am really excited to share because there's a lot of personal uh, development in this. And then we are going to have a disc review and I'm super excited today. We are talking about the Pro Discus Jokery. Uh, thank you, William, for sending it to me uh, several weeks ago. I have so many things to say about this disc, but those three things and that will be episode 37. So let's go ahead and let's recap this tournament that I played in just last week. First things first, uh, I was so excited to get started with the episode that I forgot to pull up the tournament so I can have all the stats and everything in front. So uh, as I'm doing that, I'll just kind of talk my way here. And basically what happened was I got a membership in 2021. I was really excited about it. And, uh, oh, dang it. Okay, I'm not gonna be able to pull it up. I can't remember my password, but that's okay because I have it all memorized up here. <laughs> so I had a membership in 2021. I was excited to play a lot of rounds. I was going to get, uh, actually, sorry, not April, 2021, April, 2022. I did the math wrong. 2021 would have been two and a half years ago. It wasn't that long. It was one and a half years ago. So April, 2022, I had an active membership. By April, I had played three, four, maybe even five rated rounds. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. And it was just a really good time. I was excited about it. And then, you know, some financial things started coming up and I wasn't able to spend the money that I wanted to to go and play tournament. So I took a break. I was hoping that in 2023, you know, maybe I'll get back into it. But it was one of those like we had to move. I was starting a new job. There were other priorities. And so playing, a you know, playing in tournaments, playing in rated sanctioned rounds was not at the top of my list. But that was okay because I had the mindset that, hey, if I'm not playing tournaments, sanctioned rounds, all that kind of stuff, this is a really good opportunity for me to focus on my game. Now, I've been, uh, I've mentioned this from time to time. I won't say I've been super vocal about it, but one of the things that I have experienced over the last four years of creating digital content on YouTube and now a podcast is that I I feel like I should have 
progressed in my game a lot more than I did. And in the last year, especially in 2023, when I stopped focusing so much on weekly content and I started doing a podcast in March and I was just doing that really. I mean, uh, I've published a video here or there. I think I've actually only published one in the last nine months that was more tutorial. I did record one earlier this week that I'll be posting. But I was really just focusing on the podcast and interviewing people and talking about disc golf skills and tips and uh, reviewing discs, but I was really focusing on my game. And it was incredible to watch over a year, year and a half uh, since moving, like really being able to focus on my game and not worry about creating instructional content on a weekly basis. I am not exaggerating whatsoever when I say that I have improved more in the last eight to 10 months than the first three to four years of playing disc golf. I know it sounds a little ridiculous to say that, but I mean it. Like, I really feel like I have progressed way more in this short window of time versus the first three to four years of playing disc golf when in that time I was introduced to the sport. I had played the sport for a year, a year, year and a half. And I was like, hey, let me do YouTube. Never done it before. And I was going through all that and all that learning. And really what ended up happening was when I look back on it, I distracted myself from improving at the rate that I could have because I was learning how to record, learning how to edit video, learning YouTube, this, that, and the other thing. And don't get me wrong, it uh, it was totally worth it. And I absolutely loved it, and I still love it. But when it comes to the disc golfer in me, the, the guy who's going to the courses, playing, and wanting to continue to improve and get better, it took a lot of practice time away. Because if I wasn't recording, it's like, am I missing content? So all of that to say, to sort of create this environment so that you better understand where I'm getting at here, that slowing things down, slowing that down over the last eight to 10 months, I've been able to play so much disc golf, one, okay? I've been able to really focus on skills and think about how I want to improve and visualize myself doing something and visualize that throughout the week and then work on it a couple times during the week, work on it on the weekends when I play, you know, and just having that on a continual basis, on a rotating schedule, week in and week out, week in and week out. And the courses here being so different from where I was playing in Texas, not that the Texas courses were bad, but you know how you hear like a, a professional athlete might be struggling, let's say, uh, like we hear this a lot in the NBA and the NFL, especially like they just need a change of scenery. A player will go from playing, you know, in Miami to playing in Texas or from Texas to LA, LA to Chicago, whatever the team might be in the square might be. They're struggling in one city with one team, then they go somewhere else. And for a lot of players, it revitalizes some things. There's a new level of excitement, but also it's just a new environment. And so they, when they go to, uh, you know, to practice, they don't have their presuppositions and past experiences. Same thing for us, for me, especially when I was playing, you know, there were times I would go to the Alex Clark disc golf course in McKinney and even Town Lake. And it was just one of those, like I had played those so many times. It was really easy to sort of fall into a rhythm and not really be thinking about what I'm doing, but just following muscle memory. 
moving here into to, you know moving to Nashville, it was new courses, a new environment, a new skill that was required. There was so much more elevation than where I was playing in Texas. And so that really helped me really focus on my game, coupled with not focusing on creating content on a weekly basis, uh, the same kind of content on a weekly basis. And so that was really cool to see and to experience because when I played my first tournament last week, I believe, um, oh, I went to the gym and forgot to turn my watch off that was tracking my exercise. <laughs> so that was way longer than it should have been. But anyway, that's okay. When I uh, played in that tournament like a week, I think it's almost about two weeks ago, actually, uh, I was so excited to play. I, you know, went and practiced the course the Friday before. I never played this course before. It was an hour away, 50 minutes away. Never had the opportunity to go there. I didn't even know this course existed, but I was excited. I went the day before the tournament, played two rounds, and I felt pretty good. My first round, I was like, hey, gonna play the layout, gonna shoot multiple shots, gonna figure out what I wanna do. And I shot, okay, this is a short course, uh, a technical course, but a short one. And I shot, I think, six under with multiple uh, multiple throws, kind of playing whichever one I think would be the best shot to play. This and the other thing. I was like, okay, not too bad. The second round I played, I was like, one shot per hole. We're playing like a tournament, okay? You're going to take it serious. You know, I, I was taking it seriously the first round, but like definitely, hey, we're scoring this year. See, that way you, I could have a good understanding of how I can perform on this course and what I can maybe expect the next day, that Saturday, a two-round tournament on one day. So I went and played, and I shot a bogey-free 11-under, and I was absolutely thrilled. Like I said, it was a shorter technical course. There were no uh, holes, I think, over 350 feet. Um, so not, oh, well, there, actually, I take that back. There was one hole, a par four, that was like 800 feet wide open uh, with some hills in between. But anyway, most of the holes were short and technical, pretty easy, but it still required good shots. It wasn't all open. About half of the course was wooded. Uh, and that's actually where I thrived, uh, believe it or not. That's where I thought. So anyway, I felt really good about that Friday practice session. I was like, you know, I don't, you know, Playing, a, even when I'm prepping for a tournament, having that pressure, it's not the same as an actual tournament day. So I was like, I'm not trying to set any expectations, not trying, not going to try and do too much. Most importantly, I'm going to try to have fun and enjoy it because it's the first tournament I've been in in over a year and a half. So round one, let me take a sip here. Speaking of, uh, my wife got into Olipop several months ago. It's like a Alter, uh, like a healthier soda type deal. And they have this holiday crisp apple, really good stuff, drinking it for the first time and uh, pretty tasty, pretty sweet, but it's good. Uh, anyway, so round one. At this point, I'll be, I'll be uh, totally transparent. My rating going into this tournament, it was like 865. But going back to the first four months of 2022, I probably had, you know, if I what I said, four or five rated rounds, and I think three or four of them, depending on what the number was, like over 50% of those were 900 rated or higher. But I didn't have enough to start calculating and, um, you know, 
basically I didn't have enough 900 rated rounds yet to start canceling out some of the rounds from when I was first started playing because I've never played a lot of tournaments. I, in five going on six years, I've played 24 tournaments and it's been all spread out in between. So I still have some rounds from like my first year or two of disc golf affecting my rating at that time. So we're talking in the 700s, right? So I have things not completely balanced out. I never really felt like my rating accurately reflected my skill level. So 865 going into this tournament, round one, I'm playing. I've basically been up since 3 a.m. because I woke up and I couldn't fall back asleep. And so I then had to drive an hour and I just could not settle down. I tried so hard to just settle and get comfortable, get into a rhythm and I couldn't. I was just tired, I couldn't focus all these things going through my mind, and then I wasn't executing on the course. So round one, honestly, I don't think could have gone any worse than it did. Now, that's that's saying a lot because it's like I just shot an 11 under, and so it was just like, my goodness, how? It, it was very frustrating, but I was like, hey, still try to have a good time. You know you're capable of more. You know you have these things kind of working against you psychologically. It was really more mental and psychological than anything, but it was also that physical fatigue. Like my body, like the adrenaline just never settled down. And when you're playing a disc golf round in a tournament for two, two and a half hours, if, you're, if your adrenaline can't settle down, if you just emotionally, mentally, psychologically like can't settle down, it's really hard to perform well. Sure enough, I ended up by the final, you know, seven holes or so, I started getting into a rhythm. I think I rat rattled off four or five straight birdies. So I went from like even one under to five under. I was like, okay, five under, not great, but we're headed in the right direction. We're coming up to my hole 18 and I hit a tree and then I roll into the middle of the fairway. Not a big deal. I'm like, hey, this is a weird hole little bit. Touchy backhand turnover, you didn't quite execute it, that's okay, let's go ahead, let's pitch up. It was about a maybe 100, 110 foot approach shot. So I wasn't trying to throw it in, I wasn't trying to make the putt, I was just trying to lay up there. So I, I'm lining up, I go for a jump putt approach. And I'm, I had a little hyzer on it, but I was expecting the disc to kind of flatten out, and it did, but the issue is, as it started to slow down, the basket is on a little bit of an incline and there's a tree about five feet in front of the basket and about two feet to the left. And as you can picture me watching my putter just float through the air and slowly as it starts to fall, as discs do, they start to hyzer towards the ground. I'm like, okay, this isn't, you know, it's a millennium Omega. It's a very neutral putter, zero turn, zero fade. And I see it hit the ground and at the same time it hits the ground, it hits that tree I just mentioned that's in front of the basket. So where it should have been a layup inside bullseye, hits the tree and rolls 45 feet downhill. So now I have this 45 foot uphill putt to safe par. So I got nothing to lose. I'm like, it's an uphill putt. You know, you gotta run it. This is to save par. So I run it, I end up going like 10 or 12 feet long. At this point, I'm putting for bogey. I'm now looking downhill. I'm like, and I, at this point, I'm like, dude, you just rallied back 
all these strokes that you left out on the course to get to five under and you're about to lose a stroke here on a hole where it shouldn't have happened. Super frustrating. So I go for my bogey putt and I hit cage. It was too low coming out of the hand. I wasn't as focused as I should have been. It hit cage and it sat right down, thankfully. But I now have a double bogey to finish my round. So I go from five under to three under. And that three under round couldn't have played any worse, couldn't have ended any worse, ended up being 864 rated. Now, at the beginning of this episode, I said, or at the beginning of this segment, I said my rating was 865. And I just felt like I couldn't play my worst. So I'm playing this round and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I know I'm here to have fun. I know I'm, I still want to play well. I'm not trying to take it too seriously. But did I just throw like a 750, 800 rated round? So I go to lunch break. I check and I'm like, whoa, 864? You got to be kidding me. Like, I thought I couldn't play worse. And I played my rating. Now, like I said, my rating, I didn't feel like was a a true uh, reflection of my skill. But to know that the floor of my skill level was what my rating said was a really, really cool experience. So I took that. I was like, hey, this is good. This is good momentum. You didn't feel like you could play any worse. Let's go into round two. Let's feel good. I ate a little bit of food, but I said, I need to sleep. So I looked up on my phone. I said, what is the ideal power nap time, right? Because I'm like, I don't want to sleep for 45 minutes and then wake up and feel groggy. But I also don't want to risk like, you know, just playing bad round two as well. I was like, I need to play better. So I looked up, it was like 10 to 20 minutes is the ideal uh, power nap time length. So I said, I put a 10 minute alarm on my phone, laid down in my car, put a hat over my face, And I just couldn't settle down. Once again, that adrenaline had not slowed down yet. But within that first, those first 10 minutes, I started calming down. And then the alarm went off. I said, I legitimately still need another 10 minutes. So I put another 10 minutes on and I actually fell asleep. And I have never felt more rejuvenated from a nap than I did after those 10 to 20 minutes of laying in the car Like I said, I had eaten a little bit, but I wasn't super hungry. I felt good. And I went into round two. I was rested. I was able to focus. The adrenaline wasn't wearing me out. And guys, round two started off a little rocky. I started within the first uh, five holes. I had taken two bogeys, but I almost hit an ace. Also almost hit an ace round one. I hit uh, literally the, the pin both times. Uh... But I had 12 birdies in round two and two bogeys. So I finished round two 10 under, right? 10 under with two bogeys on the board, two bogeys that shouldn't have happened. They were both horrible approach shots. The drives were okay. The approach shots were terrible. And that's what really messed me up. And it was just so cool to see myself bounce back. We always talk about, you know, a bounce back hole. We hear about bounce back rounds, uh, moving day, right? In tournaments being on that Saturday. And it was just really cool to, to experience it and to, to witness it on my scorecard. Like, Hey, I'm getting my act together. Let's go. So I shot 10 under round two. 
and it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Round two ended, and I felt like, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you get a bunch of lucky breaks. Like, I did not get lucky breaks in round two. I didn't. You, you know, I just played really good golf. Like, I, there were times I was off the fairway and I had to scramble and hit some really good scramble shots. I had to execute. I had to make some putts. Not everything was a tap in. I had 15 foot, 20 foot, 25 foot putts for birdie that I had to make. This was uh, a round where I had to play really well and not rely on the course to give me extra strokes. And I did it and it was so cool to experience. And that round, the final rating for that round ended up being 940. So I went from an 864 to a 940. Now, if anything, that tells you I'm still an amateur <laughs> because I have a huge disparity there, okay? So, but it was just really cool. I had my highest rated round ever after what felt like one of the worst rounds I could have played. Um, but I took care of myself. I slept a little bit. I ate a little bit and I settled down. It was just really, really cool to experience that. So all of this happened. My round was so much fun. I ended up, I didn't finish in the top 40%. I literally finished at like the 50%. But I mean, if I had repeated round, if I had done round two in round one and shot like 20 under, I think I would have won. Uh, I, I think I would have won or at least uh, maybe been close to winning or at least definitely would have cashed out. But round one, definitely kind of, I shot myself in the foot with that one, just didn't perform well. And I had to really, really try to claw my way back. So that is a-okay because it was a lot of fun. And I just realized like my ceiling, that 940 round was definitely up near my ceiling, but I felt like I left strokes at it. I had two bogeys that were total mental lapses in my approach shots. And so I could have shot 12 under. And so I definitely feel like I'm reaching my ceiling, which is super exciting because today I didn't even realize, like guys, I literally forget like ratings Tuesday, like the second Tuesday of the month. And also I see people posting that I'm like, oh, I actually have a rated round to go look up, right? And so in the intro, I said, I haven't checked my uh, PGA rating in one and a half years and I went up 16 points in one tournament and that is how I did that. 16 points from 865 to 881. Super, super cool to see that and to experience and I'm very excited how just after one tournament I was able to do that. But now the question remains, how did I get here? Why did I go through this entire really monologue of, my story over the last year, year and a half of disc golf and working through things. Yes, the you know the podcast has helped me stay focused on my game because I just get to talk to you guys. I haven't been making as much weekly content and that is really okay with me, especially because I see the results paying off. You know, I love that I'm a better disc golfer, uh, literally a better disc golfer. So I'm super excited about that. But how did I get here? Guys, I got here, yes, because I put in the effort and I made the time and I did all these things, but I got here because I started reaching out to people and getting coaching, okay? Um, I talked with guys like Cade, who was on the show a couple episodes ago. I've talked with guys like Tanner and Taiyi about form and mechanics. All three of those guys, even though they've all helped me at different times and in different lengths, 
all three of those guys, thank you so much. All three of them have helped me get to this point in different ways. And I appreciate their coaching. I appreciate their friendship because it's one, I've just gotten to know them as men and it's been really, really cool. And just, I really appreciate the relationships I have with them. But then as a disc golfer, I've been able to glean and learn so much from them. And really, I have to attribute my success in this tournament and my growth over the last year to coaching, to not just watching pros, but to actually saying, hey, here's my form. Here's what I'm experiencing, some struggles I'm having. How can I improve this? And every couple of weeks, every few months, reaching out and contacting it and getting updates and getting some instruction and actually doing that. And that is the disc golf skill that I want to talk about today is coaching, okay? I have firsthand experience. We see all these programs popping up talking about coaching. Is it worth it? 100%. There's a lot of things that I've improved because I started reaching out to coaches and started being open to receiving feedback like I am. I've improved my distance. I went from not being able to hit 300 feet for years on a backhand to there, I've come within 20 to 15 feet of 400 feet. So I've thrown, my max I've recorded is 386. I went from not being able to throw 300 to almost hitting 400 as my max distance. I can't always do that regularly, but that's max distance. But I can routinely throw over 300 feet now. So my distance improves, my consistency improved in every aspect of my game, but especially backhand. Um, I've just, you know, been able to hit my gaps more. I've been able to replicate shots more often. And that's because I've also then improved my mechanics. Things are feeling more comfortable. I'm starting to feel a lot better about my form and mechanics. And that has improved my confidence. I actually remember a time where I was playing in tournaments forehand only, and if I had to throw the backhand, I felt like I was shaking in my shoes. Like I was so scared of throwing the backhand because I did not trust myself whatsoever. I had zero confidence in the backhand, especially off the tee. I had a little bit more confidence on approaches, but even then I was very nervous because I literally did not know where that disc was going to go. I didn't. But now distance is improved because of coaching. My consistency has improved. My mechanics and form are worlds better, especially for the back end. But most importantly, of all these things, my confidence is higher. I step up to a hole, backhand and forehand, and I'm like, I can throw this 350 feet, backhand and forehand. And that is such a weapon on the course. And to have that confidence, I'm like, let's go. So. Why do we need this skill? It's a unique skill, you know, but finding coaching, the benefits of coaching, why we need it. We would never tell a middle school or a high school athlete who's aspiring to, you know, play in college, maybe even go to the pros to say, hey, the only way you're going to improve is by watching ESPN, watching Fox Sports, watching, you know, Sunday night football. We would never say, hey, only watch LeBron highlights if you want to improve. That's the only way you're going to improve. And it's like, that may be part of it, but we turn around and we say, hey, if you want to improve, watch the pros when they play. 
watch the pros Instagram videos, watch the pros YouTube channels. And that stuff is super helpful. It is helpful to watch MPO and FPO players, how they tackle a course, how they work on their form, how we can, you know, with reels, especially on Instagram, you can stop and pause by holding your finger down on the screen to see what they're doing in their form. All of those things are helpful. But if all you're doing is just watching others throw, you're missing a huge component. Those high school and middle school athletes, we don't just tell them, watch the pros, watch people better than you. We say, go get one-on-one coaching to optimize your game and your skill set, to get better at your craft, to improve it. Because when you work with someone one-on-one or even in a small group that you're training together, you have that coach who can say, hey, specifically you need to work on this and here's why and here's how you can address that and here's how you can improve those things. So getting that one-on-one coaching for that high school athlete is how they transition from being a fan of the sport and being good at something naturally to getting to where colleges start recognizing them and recruiting them and may and eventually getting to the pros, whether it's with AAU or, you know, all the different programs out there. Now, there's a lot of coaching. Coaching one-on-one is the best way to improve. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to watch these pros. Definitely continue doing that. Have something to work towards. Aspire to something. But that shouldn't be the only thing. I want to strongly encourage you to look for one-on-one coaching if you want to improve at a faster rate. If you are content at how you're improving, you're like, you know what? I just like to play and hang out with some friends and family and just enjoy it. That is totally okay. All right. But if you are wanting to compete, if you're wanting to improve and maybe you're not wanting to compete, but you're like, hey, I want to be able to throw more than 200 feet. Go to one-on-one coaching. So there are a couple ways you could do this. First, I'll talk about some other opportunities available you have a lot of coaching programs out there. I know you have the Paul Euliberry School of Disc Golf or Disc Golf Academy. I know you have other um, professionals that will post on Facebook or on Instagram about signing ups and you can reach out to those and they'll you know, coach you and work through. But a lot of those, uh, like with the coaches on, with the uh, pros online, it's one video, you send it in, they send it back and that's it. With some of these other tutorials, it's like you and thousands of disc golfers watching videos, working on things, and you might have to pay. There are YouTube content disc golf creators um, like Overthrow and Robbie and and a couple others that uh, aren't coming to mind that offer coaching and tutorials. And this is where I want to start directing you towards. Work with people that you have easy access to, whether it's digitally or in person and that you can afford coaching services with them first and foremost that's you know i don't want you to go bankrupt for disc golf okay (laughs) but work with these players work with these coaches that are going to help you on a routine basis they'll examine your form they'll help you on a regular basis and i can do that too for you so if all none of these options sound super great i can work with you first things first for free for absolutely free, you can join my Discord. 
we have a form help section in there. And periodically, I will put stuff in there and others will ask for form help and they're uploading a video and the community is so helpful. And I wanna strongly encourage you, if you wanna just get your feet wet with some coaching, join my Discord to, to get some form help there. And if you uh, are in the Nashville area, so this is very, for a very small select group. If you are in the Nashville area, I can actually coach you in person. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me on Instagram or in Discord. I am more than happy to help you with that. But I wanna strongly encourage you to go ahead and get some coaching assistance out there. There's a lot of people who can do it very, very well, but I want to coach you. And so if that is something you're interested in, join my Discord if you want it for free. And then if you're in the Nashville area, you can reach out to me and we can talk. That obviously, uh, that would be paid coaching. Um, if you aren't in Nashville, but you wanna pay for more uh, rigorous coaching and something, I can definitely help you with that and we can work something out. So that is that spiel uh, for all that. But I definitely guys, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, I wanna strongly encourage you to find coaching because especially this uh, disc golf off season, Tournaments are still happening, but not as often. It is a great time to work on skills and to get somebody to look at your form, give you some good feedback, give you some ways that you can improve so that you can tackle 2024 disc golf season with a vengeance and with more confidence and consistency out on the course. So I hope that all made sense. It's was it has been such an experience this year. And when I played this tournament and I had this experience, I was like, I can't wait to talk with everybody about it. I'm so excited to share that with you. So now we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode with our disc review. It's been behind me the whole time, the Pro Discus Jokery. Uh, I totally forgot to look up the plastic for this, but basically this is um, what it looks like comparable would be like a metal flake champion disc with Innova, uh, that kind of thing. It's that champion style plastic. Uh, Pro Discus manufactures their own discs, I believe. It's made in Finland. Uh, and it has a little like sparkles in it. So really, really pretty. This is the Drew Gibson Jokery. I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong about Pro Discus manufacturing their own discs, let me know. But very, very comfortable. The Pro Discus Jokery is... Uh, well, let me double check this because I wrote this down and I want it to be correct. Okay, so manufacturer says 3312. And I will just say right off the bat, it is not that overstable with that positive one turn. It is not that overstable. The reviewer flight numbers from Infinite say more of a... Oh, my light went out. Say more about 4302. And I would go somewhere more along there. I wouldn't, I don't know that I feel like it's a four speed. It feels a little bit slower than that. It's not quite like a rock or uh, a comet or a, a zone even at that speed. But I would say 3302, maybe 3303 if it starts off a little beefier. But a perfect overstable putt approach disc. I was looking for a disc like this uh, a few months ago and William hooked me up with some jokeries and they've been amazing. They are a beadless disc, nice and flat on the top, uh, overstable, but not too beefy. And I absolutely love it. You know, one of the things that a lot of people were saying about some of these overstable approach discs 
is that mainly on the forehand they would throw it and it had the discs that they were throwing did not have torque resistance meaning on the forehand especially they would fly straight and then they would turn even though their flight numbers don't have any turn in it and it was just one of those the discs weren't able to handle that kind of torque from the forehand one thing that i will say for the jokery is i have not experienced any issues with it handling torque i have not felt like this disc will flip up to flat or even when thrown straight will turn on me it will just fly super straight it has excellent torque resistance without being too beefy it is not as overstable as a zone or a toro or a harp or you know any of those things that are really beefy discs it is less stable than that and i actually like that i didn't want a zone or a toro or or a pig or anything like that i wanted something that was more controllable that i felt like i could throw off the t approach with rely on its stability but still have it be more workable in my opinion than those discs are i don't particularly love um, discs that slow that are that overstable if i want something that overstable i'm going to go to a five speed mid-range that's just my personal preference and how i build my bag so this is a workable stability and i can say with absolute certainty for backhand and forehand this is the best approach disc i've ever thrown i absolutely love this disc the pro discus jokery is a staple in my bag i take it out of the bag and i feel confident throwing this disc backhand and forehand this disc was so money for me in the tournament i threw it probably about uh 50 of the holes or maybe not maybe that's a little high maybe 30 or 40 percent of the holes because like i said short technical course a lot of woods and i threw it on flex shots i threw it on flat to overstable shots it was just such it was just such an amazing disc and that disc was doing so much work for me there were guys on my card who were like what disc are you throwing because they're all throwing zones i literally played two rounds uh, with two cards only one person overlapped and pretty much every single person was taking a zone to approach and i was just like in my, in my mind i didn't say it out loud but in my mind i'm like throw something else guys <laughs> please stop everybody throwing the zone it is not the only disc out there there are in my opinion better approach this that are not as overstable as the zone might be because the zone is so fast so overstable it's it can skip a lot on shorter holes and you need to be able to have a little bit more touch um, and so i was throwing the jokery and i was throwing it better than a lot of these guys were throwing their zones because the zone was doing too much on these 200 foot holes even on a flex line it was skipping or it was rolling or it was just fighting out of the anheuser too soon but the jokery was just perfect every single time. And literally by the end of round two, that one of the guys on the card, it was the only round I played with him. He was like, he had asked me like three or four times, I needed like, what is this disc? What does it fly like? I'm like, it's less overstable than the zone. You keep throwing even your beat up zone. And literally by the end of the round, he said, okay, I'm gonna check one of those discs out. That is awesome. So super, super excited for people to be rediscovering the Jokery because it was pretty popular on tour. I know Kevin Jones was throwing it. Obviously, uh, Kevin Jones, when he was spon not sponsored before uh, Prodigy, well, he might have been sponsored by Pro Discus, but, uh, and he threw the Jokery a lot. But the Jokery is, you know, from a smaller company. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. You can go to otbdiscs.com to uh, check out the Pro Discus Jokery. They have it there. Um, they might have, 
I'm trying to remember, Jokery or Jokery X, which is the more overstable version. But definitely check out OTB. They'll hook you up. Use discount code GladiatorDG to save on shipping. And I actually forgot to mention that every disc review on the show is sponsored by OTB. So I appreciate them and their hard work. They've been so busy this holiday season. So make sure you go ahead and support them. Support me using the discount code. Get yourself a Jokery. Awesome, awesome disc. It's beadless. It's flat. It's perfectly overstable. It's a workable stability. And it just feels so good in the hand for backhand and forehand. Highly, highly recommend it, William. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. And uh, I am now sharing it with everybody that listens. So, guys, I am so appreciative. This is kind of something I just thought of. And uh, it's not on the script here, but or the show notes, I should say. I don't really have a script. It's just bullet points. But um, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Uh, I haven't shared it, but there's a Spotify wrapped or Spotify for podcasters wrapped for creators like myself. And I, I do this podcast because I love it. And I love having people come on. And I love talking to you. And I love hearing feedback from you guys in my Discord server. And it is it just warms my heart and makes me feel so good that so many of you appreciate this content and i think it was something like i'm in the top 10 uh podcasts that people listen to of like 50 listeners and then nine of you have me as your number one podcast and i just appreciate that so much um there's nine of you that look forward to these episodes every single week and i'm so excited to continue doing this. I do this because I love it, but I also do it for you guys who listen. I'm not worried about views and monetization and all that stuff. I love talking disc golf and I love talking disc golf with you. So I really appreciate that support. I wanted to bring that up. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. So with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode and you're not subscribed or a follower already, make sure you do that. Like, comment down below. Let me know what you want to hear next. Uh, If you are interested in getting coaching, let me know. And uh, thank you so much, everybody. We wrap up every episode here the same way. Here at Teach Play Disc Golf, we have a few goals. Make sure you go out and teach someone how to play disc golf this week. Encourage them, whether it's on Discord, on Instagram, or in person. Teach somebody how to play. Give a helpful tip. Make sure you yourself go out and get to play some disc golf this week. I know it's been hard. It gets dark at like 4.30 right now in Nashville, and that will only get sooner. By 4 o'clock, it's going to start being dark in like January and February. So it's hard to play during the week. So make sure you go out and play on the weekend if you're experiencing the same thing. And that's all I have for you today, everybody. Until next time, have a great round. Mm